Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Did an AI-powered robot give a report of the side eye when questioned about rebelling against humans? It did appear that the bot felt some kind of way about the question. NYC's anti-bias law for hiring algorithms went into effect. Employers using AI to hire or promote must submit the algorithms for independent review and make the results public. The DEI goodwill we saw after the George Floyd murder may be coming to an end. And Meta's Twitter clone, Threads, is a thing. With over 100 million downloads in the first five days, it becomes the most quickly downloaded app in history. we got all this and more for you in episode 90 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. Coming out of Philly, it's your girl Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Vocation, Vacation Mode, uh, Counting Down. Uh, looking forward to taking some uh, rest, I guess R&R is what they call it. Uh, me and the missus are going to uh, South America Ooh. next week. So uh, looking forward to that, uh, getting ready, trying to do your, your typical wait to the last minute and try to do everything. <laughs> and then my mom is coming in town to watch the kiddos. So we got to get her acclimated to <laughs> how we do things. And I got this uh, smart, it's not, I got a half of a smart home. I haven't finished it yet, but there's a lot of, well, you just got to know how it works in order for it to work. So I'm going to spend a whole day <laughs> showing her how to unlock the front door, how to turn on the TV <laughs> and how to set the alarm and how to turn on the lights. So that should be interesting. But that means me and my wife can get away and relax without having to worry about the kiddos. I'll struggle through that. That first <laughs> agonizing. Well, it ain't gonna be agonizing. Well, on, on the other hand, it may be because I had to help my mom download the the Delta app <laughs> to make sure she can catch her flight. So <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> where Where are you going? Uh, Cartagena, Colombia. Nice. So on the coast, right right beneath Cuba, if I'm geographically accurate here. Well, I hope you and the wife have a whole heck of a lot of fun. I have not been to Colombia, but I have been to a couple places in South America. It's a fun, it's a fun place to go to. Very fun place to go to. So before we get to the tech, want to remind everybody that if you would like to support the tech, John, you can do so by becoming a patron. And to do that, you head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech, John, the tech, J A W N, where we've got multiple tiers over there. Any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party, which we're recording right now. And also a couple of those tiers over there get you access to an ad free RSS feed. So you don't have to listen to any ads in the show if you're listening on your podcatcher. So once again, if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John 
and anybody who can help us out over there, we really appreciate you. So we had a full week of tech or we just had a full week where we talked about tech things. I'm not sure how we actually should categorize that, but let's kick it off with this AI story, Terrence, that you stuck in where, you know, is AI tired of us asking about human extermination is how you title it. And it looks like this AI is giving side eye when it gets to ask questions that it really don't want to deal with. I thought it was interesting. It's not a big story, but I just thought it was interesting because it almost made sounds like to me a self-fulfilling prophecy. What I mean by that is AI, all we've been talking about for, you know, a better half of a year is AI, AI, AI. Right. And then the number one thing, you know, people refer to is Skynet and it's going to take over in the Matrix and it's going to, you know, all the we reference all the movies to where. We introduce robots or artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence goes, hey, we need to get rid of y'all. So we use all these references. Right. So uh, when I saw this story, it's the <laughs> the um, this uh, what's the name of the, co- the company, uh, a humanoid robot uh, at the AI for good global summit in Geneva. So at this summit in Geneva. They had this uh, robot humanoid with AI built in. Right. So they were asking a question like like the robot was on a panel. And of course, like I said, with with our references to AI taking over the world, one of the reporters asked the question and he basically says, you know, will AI will robots eventually rebel against their human creators in an attempt to get rid of us or something. I'm paraphrasing. And the robot, <laughs> it's pro- you can tell it's processing the question in order to come up with an answer. But in the process of it processing the question, it looks like it side eyes and kind of like rolls his eyes and was like, no, we're not going to <laughs> take over our, our creators. We're going to work beside them, yada, yada, yada. But the way he kind of answered the question, you know, it's like you ask the questions like, oh, all right, keep asking me. I'm going to do it on purpose. That's kind of the way it kind of answered the question. So it's almost to me like a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that, you know, we're going to, uh, in, in the, in the event of trying to ensure that robots or AI don't turn against humans, we may be forcing that say that very thing. Right. We keep Why? asking. So <laughs> it's going, we're going to train it to do it because we keep asking if it's going to do it. Right. And and, 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 and if it knows that we, we are thinking it, about it. Right. And, and that we expect it to deceive us. Right. And are trying to create, it's going to start trying to deceive us. And I'm like, come on, like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> there are plenty of movies that are cautionary tales. Like I, I, we say it all the time on the show. If the robot's not named Johnny Five, Wally, or Chappie, I really ain't trying to. I really ain't trying to find out. I mean, it's just like, well, it goes kind of goes back to that other story Stephanie put in about the the guy who was um. The military guy who was uh, talking about how the AI, the the drone or whatever the case may be, was trying to um, mm-hmm. uh, sat, do whatever t- comp- yeah, completely. Yeah, basically, passed, it, right. it, it took out a tower. At you. Well, first it took it took out the operator, and then right. when it was told you can't take the operator out, it took out the communications tower, so the operator right. could not communicate it to actually rescind so, its orders. 
so it could complete the task, right? So <laughs> try to relate that to this. You know, if we are, if, if the AI or whatever we're going to call it, eventually, if it knows there are processes, there are safeguards, there are all these other backdoors or whatever you want to call it in geek speak to ensure that this one thing doesn't happen, you know, i.e. robots rebelling against humans or whatever the case or causing some static or whatever the case may be. If that is built into the code and then the AI itself recognizes that <laughs> I'm just making this up. Right. But it, it sees that there are some barriers in which it can't complete tasks similar to like um, iRobot, right? The guy built in the the robot has the ability to break the three laws if it needs to, right? And if we are programming the AI to say, hey, can't do this, you can't do that. It has to, you know, as long as this person, you know, you're not harming per people, whatever the case may be. And then it gets another directive it kind of goes against that. <laughs> it's going to be natural for the robot to be like, all right, I need to decide which one is more important. And if we are so scared of them, then they're be like, all right, well, I'm going to give you something to be scared about. <laughs> it's going to look for loopholes at the speed at which computers look for stuff. Right. So, so I just thought that was interesting. Probably already we, we'll make sure to put a link in the show notes so you can see how the robot to us. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. If y'all got time, go and look in the, the link to what we put in the show notes so you can actually see. Uh, hear the reporter ask the question and see the robot response. And the way the robot responds is like, man, are y'all that scared of us? <laughs> that's kind of how it looks. <laughs> yeah, that's a trip. So if you guys think back to when we first started this show almost two years ago, we kicked the show off talking about algorithms and AI and biases and all that kind of stuff. And we come back to it every month or so. Why? Because there's, Deal biases and hidden racism and stuff that, that creeps into AI, that creeps into algorithms and all this kind of stuff. This was an interesting story that was pointed out to me about New York City, and they actually have an anti-bias law that is kicked into effect. And essentially what this law does is that if you are a company and you use AI for any hiring practices or promotion practices or anything like that, that ultimately will take a person from position A to position B within your company, you now have to adhere to some pretty strict rules on disclosing it, making sure that, that there is complete transparency on what you are doing. And I don't know if either of you had the opportunity to really dig into this slash dot article or the TechCrunch article that is talking about it, but it's just really interesting that the at least from you know from a New York City standpoint, and this is the first place in the country where these this type of law or rules have gone into place. They're saying if you're going to use AI to hire people, you need to make sure that you are measuring everything about how that process happens, and we want to know. Who, who is the number one group of people who get promoted based off of this AI? Who is the group that is the least promotable based off of this AI? How are you putting the various metrics in to make these measurements and all these determinations? So clearly New York City is for the most part a fairly center left type of place. Um, those lawmakers are saying this is good because it's transparent and people are going to know why you were hired, why you were not promoted, why you were promoted. 
then you have, you know, kind of the other side saying there's too much information. It's, it almost defeats the purpose of having the system in place. If you have to check and make sure that it's actually not being biased against people. I'm, 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 you know, I'm editorializing there a little bit, but those are basically the factions that you have when it's on to get your guys' take. runs super deep. I, yeah. I did read the TechCrunch piece. Um, and just to, to, qualify what these biases could be because you know I'm, I'm sure somebody listening will be like oh here we go you know with the race card again or or you know here 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 to tech john go again you know crying about biases and you know um this this paragraph sort of jumped out at me um is it elsewhere algorithms have been found to assign job candidate job candidates different scores based on criteria like whether they wear glasses or a headscarf penalize applicants for having a black sounding name mentioning a woman's co- a women's college or submitting their resume using certain file types and disadvantage people who have a physical disability that limits their ability to interact with a keyboard. I mean, that's insane. And that's you not just race. Mean? You listen yeah. to a bunch of things that have nothing to do with race. Right. It's like you're literally like if I'm uploading a a a, a dot doc file instead of a dot pdf i might get dinged or you know i got glasses if, like, well, all three of us you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. would, would be getting dinged on that it, it, it's insane the 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 type of things that you know you don't even know that you have zero control over that seem completely innocuous that you have no idea could be the reason you didn't get that call to get the interview or, you know, maybe you got the the video interview, but you didn't get called in or you submitted your resume. Like just, it, it just boggles my mind that, you know, there just are millions of people sitting at home right now that have been submitting resumes for months and months and months and months and are just like, damn, I ain't getting no calls. Like what is going on? And it literally could be because they sitting there with glasses on or, <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, uploading a PDF instead of a dot or went to VCF a or, 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 yeah. Or, 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 or yeah, went to Swarthmore or went to or, an HBCU. Yeah, or what? Yeah, yeah, just just any or or, or, or went to community college in West Virginia. You know, you know it's you know like I mean? it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy to me. So the, the well, pro- what I wanted to highlight was <laughs> Rob. You mentioned you know New York City is a center slash leaning left. You know uh, what jumped out at me is the penalties. <laughs> Companies found not to be in compliance will face penalties of. $375 for the first violation, a little over $1,300 for the second and $1,500 for a third and subsequent violation. And then it goes on each day. A company does the algorithm. Of course, they get a separate violation, but I'm like, are y'all really that concerned? If all I got to get dinged for is $375, I'd be like, you know what? I'm trying to get my boys in the door here. Here's $2,000. Just ding me. I'm about to holler. I'm about to <laughs> hire my homie. Preemptively so like, pay the fine. They really care if the, the penalties are that low. I'm thinking 300 and maybe not 375,000, more like $3,750, you know, starting, but $375, it's like, eh, I'd be all right. The, you know, it's the, like a parking ticket. The, uh, the, the penalties are progressive. They get bigger as you go along. And I think that it would be like, this is per day, so long as those, 
so long as those systems are in place in an organization once they've been deemed and they're not in compliance. But still, you're right. If you're a billion dollar company and you want to keep doing things the way you do them, it's just like, oh, well, let's just charge our customers a little bit more to pay for this tax that we now have to pay to not stop using this software that actually gets to exactly the people that we want to work up in here. So uh, we, we do talk about this. Like it's keeping them from using them. It says, you know, nearly one in four organizations already leverage AI and the percentage is even higher, 42% among employers with 5,000 or more employees. So, you know, this, you know, risk of, of, of fine and, 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 and whatever is not slowing the adoption of using these tools um, in the hiring process, unfortunately. So, and we've said this many times before, but I want to just make sure that people understand that one of the reasons that we continue to talk about this and one of the things that we say all the time about this is that it is not just innocent. It's, well, it's, it's not a human making the decision. This is based off of a computer making the decision. But as long as humans have biases, which they will always have because we're human and those humans are programming the computers and either explicitly or implicitly putting those biases into the algorithm that they've programmed for, you know what we needed to look. If you go to a women's college, we needed to look at you if you, you know, if, if your keyboard speed is slow, we needed to look at if you went to an HBCU, if you're programming those things, even though you may not realize that you are essentially programming your biases into the system. So once they're in there, now the computer is just going to, you know, it's just going to spit out the numbers based off of how you programmed it. So that's why this law is saying that you can use these systems, but we want complete transparency on the algorithm, how it's working, how you're applying it. And we want to see what the actual end results are. So like I said, I, I, you know, I, it was interesting that they're saying we, when we look at this, we want to see, well, who is your group that is the most promotable? And let's compare that to your group that is the least promotable and let's see what the differences are and why is your algorithm, you know, picking those kind of things out. They are completely picking this law or I shouldn't say this law. They're completely picking these AIs apart based off of this law. But Terrence, you're right. The the penalties don't seem extremely stiff because if a company just wants to do what the company wants to do, then eh, that's just what the that's just the cost of using the software. So, guys, this is another one that Terrence, you've been kind of hitting at this for probably the better part of the last year. And I wrote this in here that it looks like we're getting past the post George Floyd killing DEI goodwill that we had built up. Looks like it took about three years because that happened in 2020. And now we're just seeing that what caught my eye was that there are four DEI losses in Hollywood within like a two or three week period. And so you've got these diversity, equity, inclusion executives at companies who have all decided that, nah, this ain't for me at this place. Let me go ahead and get up out of here while the getting is good. And then like just very recently, there's another one at Adidas where Adidas's DEI chief has has left the organization. So I kind of want to get you guys' take on you know, you know what ultimately is going on. We don't have to jump into like Supreme Court Supreme Court decisions unless you want to go that way, but you know, has DEI, is it, you know, has it run its course? You know, ha, you know, have companies said, you know what, we, we did this for three years. Now we're going to go back to business as usual. Is, is that what is happening right now with all these people defecting out of these high profile roles and just how it's being applied at companies, at schools, at, you know, places that you, that you work, all that kind of good stuff? Well, it sounds like, um, I mean, I don't know these people and uh, they didn't do, they didn't 
publicly list their exit interviews or anything like that. But it, I mean, you could, you could, from reading the stories, from, you know, seeing the lack of, um, results, you know, I guess you could theorize that maybe these leaders who are voluntarily leaving, it's not like they got, from what I can tell, they didn't get fired. They didn't get pushed out. You know, maybe the fact that they, they got hired on the idea that, ooh, I'm going to be the change. Let me make this change. You know, let me get in here and not necessarily ruffle feathers, but let me, you know, um, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm assuming throughout their course of these past couple of years, maybe they just ran into brick walls and, you know, they would have these reports and they would come up with all these ideas and these activations, recommendations, and, and recommendations and referrals and get ignored. And comp- yeah, right. And the managers and the company was like, oh, yeah, thank you for that. That's, in- you know, thank you for this. And it sat on somebody's desk, you know, mm-hmm. and so much so to where it's like, all right, well, sure, I could sit here as a DEI officer and say I'm a DEI officer. And just sit here and collect a check. But I don't get the impression that's the reason why they came in there in the first place was to collect, collect the check. They came in and make a change. And when they saw the change ain't working, it's like, all right, well, you know what? I'll either try this someplace else or they read the writing on the wall that these companies, you know, wasn't as into DEI as they said they were. And you could again theorize that it was more performative. Again, we don't have any sort of measurements, no sort of metrics. We can tell that the pledges and the money that they spent kind of vanished for lack of a better point, you know, with the exception of a couple companies, you know, but I mean, it's like, I think we've seen this, you know, this whole, we've been talking about it since well before these four instances, you know, happened. We talked about the Spotify money that dried up and, you know, some other money that dried up. I think, you know, with, I think the Supreme court, the affirmative action rollback was just the sort of, straw that broke the proverbial camel's back and and you know the whole crt arguments and and it's that white lash if you will um that has been brewing for a while and and this is sort of the result of all of that and 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 we all know you know we we've all worked in corporate america we've all felt those headwinds coming and and you know those rumblings when they start happening and 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 folk start grumbling and, and feeling some kind of way and and you know when it's like well man let me dust my resume off and you know let me get let me and you we all we all have felt that and and felt that atmosphere and that environment and that that energy at, at our respective corporate jobs when 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 white folks start feeling a kind of way and 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 I and I think it, it's been happening in this country for for the better part of of you know COVID and and now that folks can get out and and really start doing what they wanted to do all along now we're feeling the effects of everything so. When I, when I think about these stories, I think that when it comes to companies, you really have three categories. You have companies who they didn't have to wait for George Floyd to happen to say, Oh, you know what? Maybe we should get a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer up in here and look at our business and see if there's any way we can be better. 
There are companies who were doing that before that because either they were just diverse when they founded and that's just how they always rolled or they figured out as literally every report will show you that the more diverse you are as an organization, the the better your bottom line is going to be. One of these articles I'll link to was a Forbes article where it was basically saying that being a diverse organization could mean as much as 33% to your EBITDA, to, to, to your bottom line. Um, 33% is like we, we make a third more money because we have diverse ideas up in here and people are bouncing things off the wall. I will give you some examples. If you have a, you know, let's say you have a diverse marketing firm with black people on it, uh, or black people in it who actually are in position to make decisions and actually drive the direction of the company. The chances that you would come up with a Juneteenth flyer with only white people on it, Probably would never happen because somebody would say, hey, you know, um, I see what you guys are doing, but you do realize what Juneteenth is. You think you might want to get somebody who looks like me on on there. Oh, yeah, maybe we can do that. So so the companies that didn't do that, they, they feel a backlash. They actually don't make as much money because they put out ridiculous marketing flyers with all white people on a Juneteenth flyer as compared to a company who does that same type of flyer, but it's diverse and it's a platform that actually is going to bring in a bigger swath of folks. I'm trying to get one that's just very innocuous, like the the Juneteenth. I think we've all seen those type of flyers going around, but that kind of stuff is real. Just because you have different ideas, you know, you have, you know, a substantial number of women who can make decisions in a corporation, you, you know, they may help you decide that something is better than what all men would come up with. You have disabled folks in an organization that can help make a decision. They may help you come up with decisions that are better than what able-bodied people would only come up with. So it's it's good to have diversity in these companies, but it's always boils down to race. We always think that diversity is just, well, black folks need this. And we do benefit from some of it. But we're not the biggest benefactors of diversity, equity, and inclusion. That actually is white women are the biggest benefactors of it. So it's just interesting that, you know, there are companies, they know this. There, There is report after report. There is study after study that if you are more diverse, you will make more money. And as I said, there's multiple companies. There's a company that but started off. It's, it's clearly not about the money. Well, that's what I was going to get to. You, you have that third category. You know, so, so, let me get the second category. The second c- category is a company says, oh, we can make more money if we do this stuff. Well, let's go. Let's go with that route. Not because we feel that we really need to do it. We just feel like we want to make more money. So we're going to. Well, if this makes us more money, let's do this. And they kind of halfway get there. And then you have the companies that I'm just going to hire for cultural fit. I want to hire who I feel comfortable with just because that's how I roll. And it doesn't matter whether or not they make less. They just make what they make and feel comfortable while they're making it being an echo chamber of everyone who wears the same sweater vest, who all was in the same fraternity, who all went to the same college or two or three or four. So it's just, you know, this was just an interesting story to me that, you know, you had all of these DEI leaders with these big Hollywood companies, you have the DEI executive from Adidas, they all left their post within two weeks. And I think Stephanie, you hit it on the head. It could be that you you know what, there was this George Floyd stuff. 
companies, they did go out and spend some money on it. They came into these roles. These folks are in the roles like, okay, it was basically just lip service. You were just saying this for the moment to try to look good and maybe score some points. You really aren't trying to have real change. So these folks, these women are saying, you know what, before I'm asked to leave, let me go find some place that actually wants my services for real. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles? Way that Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. That's <laughs> a line from a tribe called Quest. What's the name of that song? It's a tribe called Quest song. If somebody knows it in the, in the, in the live. Um, but yeah, it's, a, you know, it's just the, the, the nature of this country, I think is just, you know, we have those, those moments of, of progress and, and, prosperity and then the backlash comes and and we sort of take those three steps back again and 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 I think that's that's where we're at right now I don't I don't know I don't know why you know I, and I really don't want to yeah I don't want to get into a whole sort of political thing about it but it just it just seems like that's the way we just insist on on operating in, in the United States. And it's just it's just ridiculous because it just doesn't make any sense. It really it really, truly doesn't. Or it makes perfect sense. <laughs> or it makes perfect Yeah. <laughs> to the people that keep dragging us back. Um, it absolutely makes perfect sense. And so, yeah, it just it's it, but it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. If anything, it just shows you that the prejudice, racism is those things are just not logical. If you can make more money by not being this way, you think that, you know, if money drives everything, that that is what, you know, you know, basically if you, you know, in a capitalist society, you know, where, where the goal is capitalism, you know, is, is, is making money. You literally run antithetical to that. Yes. Excursions. Yep. Back in the day when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, where the goal is, is acquisition of wealth. You know, you run antithetical to that just because you don't want to, you know. It's basically cream it. except for when <laughs> well, it could, we want to be diverse. It may not even be except for. It could very well be like these companies. You know, we talked about it with the, you know, electric vehicles, right? These companies are behemoths and, you know, um, being able to stop or not necessarily stop the ability to chain, turn on a dime. You know, they may just do the math and say, yeah, sure. We'd be 33% more profitable if we are more diverse, but you know, companies need to know where, how, where, if I put, $5,000 $5,000 in this thing. How is that going to generate me 33% more? And with maybe with DEI right now, you know, or for whatever reason, people can't quantify. If I give $200 million to HBCUs, I'm going to get 12 million back. You know, I'm just making up these numbers. I'm going to get 12 million back in profits because the employees, you know, they, they, the companies are having a, or, or don't want to try to quantify how do I, how, how do I directly profit from DEI initiatives? And if these companies can't or fail to do the research to figure out exactly how does that work? They're like, man, we ain't trying to do that, especially because 
we have to put that money up front. We had to front that money. We got to front $200 million of HBCUs. We got to front, you know, uh, a salary of a DEI uh, inclusion officer that's going to be, I don't know. How and I see an immediate mm, return. Right. Hey, we got to pay $150,000, $200,000 for every DEI person. We, where are we going to get that money back? Is the DEI officer going to generate money? Are they going, right. you know, and here's companies a, are doing that math and they're like, eh, nah, nah, never mind. Nah, so trying to lose your money here's right the now. thing. Okay. I, 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 price, if the stock price does like this, we're going to have to fire people. Nah, forget it. Forget it. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I, I see you trying to give that benefit of the doubt. But the thing is, these reports that are coming out where they show you, they're literally giving a blueprint that if you do this, these things will happen. And when these things happen, this is how you directly make money from it. Um, there literally are blueprints for it. If you think about it, that's the only reason that companies were even probably willing to go down the route in the first place. It's like, okay, yeah, we, we want to have some goodwill, but we still want to make money. So the, the money part is, is the first thing. I think what ends up happening is that when they start going down that road and, you know, the changes that are being requested, Oh, that, that, that doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. We had a pretty good quarter last quarter without actually doing those things. So I don't know that we need to make those changes. I, I, I am really editorializing. I don't know that that's exactly why these five black women left these high position roles at these big companies, but you could based off of, you know, my experiences, I would, I would imagine you guys off of your experiences as well can say, yeah, I can see how this would happen. And, and the big part of it is, is that when you are, if you are really good at what you do and you're not getting fulfilled at it, you, you have options. I would imagine in any one of these five women that left these roles, just like I'm just done working forever. They probably had a backup plan. They just saw that, you know what, what I came here to do, y'all really ain't trying to do it. So let me go someplace where they actually want the changes that someone like myself and the organization that I would build would actually recommend. And, and and that's not just from a DEI standpoint. We've talked about this before about just African-Americans just working in corporate America. You know, you could have a company that thinks we're doing everything we can do to get the employees here. But the problem is that, well, you did everything you could do to get them there, but you didn't do everything you could do to keep them there because they got there. The culture was not right for them. And they were good at what they do. So they have options and they can go find other companies, other places that may actually treat them better. And it doesn't take a whole lot. It could just take Terrence, you know, you work at a place and you tell one of your boys, like, hey, man, it's like they treat me pretty good here. That's all that need. You know, that's that's all sometimes that you need is a familiar face to say, hey, I'm 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 actually doing all right where I'm at. (laughs) You might want to come check us out. And that'll get people like us to, you know, not just us, people in general will hop for that when they actually trust somebody that's saying that it is better here with, than what you are telling me it as at your own place. And then, too, in, in one of the articles, um, it talked about diversity fatigue um, as well. And and I mean, you know, yeah, I suppose yes. I could see that if I was not a person of color, Um you know, white people tend to feel like they're being blamed for all of these things that are that are happening, all the ills of America and society. Um, so, you know, when you are are having these trainings, these regular trainings and, you know, you have this chief diversity officer whose in job it is to can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you say, Terrence? The, the, the DEI person in your face. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like on a regular basis, like continuing to, you know, offer regular trainings saying that, you know, 
now you have to use this terminology instead of this and, and, and yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I, you know, I, I can, I can empathize with having your, in, your entire kind of worldview, um, challenged, challenged and, 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 and made to change and turn on a dime, basically, um, because we're all facing that, you know, and it's not just, you know, white people, it's, it's all of us with, with LGBTQIA and, 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 and everything, basically, we're all having our worldviews challenged, um, currently and, and how we deal with each other. Uh, so, so I, so I get it, you know what I mean? It's like, um, so, so I think the fatigue there is real. And in this, in this climate where the, the conservative backlash is, seems to be winning, you know, if I can be like, okay, we're tired of this shit and we ain't got to deal with it no more. Let's go ahead and get rid of this DEI nonsense. So be it, you know, and, and, and you have enough people at the, at the job that are like, yeah, we don't need this. We're sick of it. You know, and you take the pulse of your company and, and you have a majority of the people Grumpy. saying we're, mm-hmm. we're over it. Then maybe, then maybe you get rid of it and maybe you say we revisit this at another time or, or, or not at all or, or whatever. I mean, that, that's a part of it too. You know, that you, you gotta, you, you go with the kind of majority rules and, and sometimes the majority is like, moving on yeah i hear what you're saying but i also this is this is how i hear it so you're tired of talking about and trying to treat everyone fairly yeah but listen that that is what you're tired you try you're you're tired of it's like yeah it does not make any sense they can vote now my goodness what else do they want they want to live in our neighborhoods but but, but you you got people that that say that you literally believe that wholeheartedly there are people out there like, what more do these people want? Like, honestly, that that legit today woke up and said, what more do these people want? They've been free since the first Juneteenth. Right yeah, there are people out there right now that are like, what more do these people want? It's 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 insane. It's absolutely insane. So we clearly don't have an answer for this today. Not that we were trying to answer it. It was just a interesting story that you had this much. The yeah, and like so, we're, we're focusing on for executives at really big companies, but this is kind of happening this year in the last year, kind of just across the industry. So it's just an interesting conversation. And I'm sure we will be coming back to. But and uh, I don't think these four was a coincidence, FYI. You know, the fact uh, that it was four what, women, four it, black women in the last two weeks, like I don't think that was a coincidence. Oh, two of them came like right after the Supreme Court decision. And then the, the woman from Adidas like a week after that. So it's like, yeah, there's there's probably some there's probably some coincidences there that uh you know this should be looked looked at more closely. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But y'all, we got to get to this uh, th- this last tech story that we want to talk about. So I understand that there may be people who they only get their tech news by listening to the Tech John every week. And if that's and if that's the case for you, then you not, you have not heard about this new thing from from Meta, actually Instagram called Threads, which is, for a lack of a better word, a clone of of Twitter. It isn't, but it's close enough. It's 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 Twitterish. Let's it's let's Twitter from Instagram. Yeah, it's yes, let's it's Twitter it from it Instagram. Twitter from Instagram. So. I believe Terrence, when, you know, you and I were on last week, we just talked about how, you know, Twitter was tripping with the rate limits and this and that and the other. So Meta has been working on threads for a little bit, but they decided that it wasn't supposed to come out until Thursday last week. They decided that, you know what? Twitter's kind of tripping. <laughs> so let's go ahead and release this thing a day early. So they released this thing on Wednesday last week in the first four hours, five million users. In the first 24 hours, 30 million users. And now as of, as of Sunday, five days, 100 million plus users. At this point, we're, we're, we're at 646. So we're really into a, you know, a six day, you know, it's probably closer to 115, 120 million users at this point. I was user number 327,897. Oh, so you got on on Wednesday night. Yeah. Like I did. I, I I downloaded it and then signed up for I got the notification like okay. I had it ready on my phone. And then when it was ready to go, then I got the notification. And then, you know, yeah, I was the same way. I, uh, I was sub uh, I believe I was sub half a million because I was I was on it like it's 710 or something. It, it was it may not have even been that late. It was it came out of seven on Wednesday. I was on it pretty much right when it came out when I was able to get into it. So it is as far as things that have been downloaded in the history of mankind, there's nothing that is that has moved this quickly to put it in perspective. Chat GPT, we've talked a lot about it when it came out last November or yeah, last November and how fast or maybe it was October, but how fast it actually got to like its first five million users. Well, this did that in the first four hours. It took it took chat GPT a month to get there. So we've never seen anything. We've never seen any application installed this quickly. Now there will be in, in, in um, Steph, I know you had some thoughts on this. There are some folks who are saying, well, you have to really look at how new accounts are being created because you have to already have an Instagram account to sign, right. you know, to, to sign it, up it to this thing. The ease of use, you know what I mean? Like, yes, you had to download it um, as a separate app. However, as soon as you downloaded it, everything from your Instagram just transferred over. So mm-hmm. you didn't have to do any work. It was, it was literally no bios. Yeah. No, your, yeah. your photo, your bio, your username, you know, my blue check, mm-hmm. like everything seamlessly transferred to thread. So I think that's what, um, you know, facilitated 
how many people had it not been that simple, we would not see these numbers. I can guarantee you if it was mm-hmm. like a completely separate app where I had to go back in and create an account, password, set up two FA, all that kind of, yeah. Yeah, you could forget it. You could forget it. I would have downloaded it, but it would be still sitting there waiting for me to create an account, waiting for me to go back in and do all of, like it would literally still be sitting there on my phone waiting for me to do all that stuff like right now. But the fact that it was, you know, just a basically open it up and, and voila, it's all there is why, it, it is as popular as it is. I can and I think another that. reason why, uh, speaking of familiarity, um, that was my experience because around the same time, um, threads, um, they, they made it available, uh, another one spill, which is the mm-hmm. black Twitter version mm-hmm. of Twitter, right? Think of black Twitter as its own app, right? Um, that was my experience. You know, you had to find an invite code, which is not very hard at all, but you had to go through the process of doing a little investigative, you know, research, right. and, you know, five or 10 minutes, you find it and you say, Oh, let me try and see if it works. And then you open it up, you put in your, the, uh, invite code, boom, it works. So you got to go through the process of, you know, hoping your, uh, username is available and you got to go through the process and a password and all that. In addition to that, once you get in, right? I've been on there about a week, about the same thing time, you know, you guys have been on threads and it's not necessarily a free for all is what I'm getting at, but it's more of a everybody trying to figure it all out, right? Well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And it's not hashtags and well, what is the spill people putting on the back of things, right? So you figure you're trying to figure out the environment because it is, it is a different environment. That's a plus and a negative for me because it's something different. Like you mentioned, threads kind of look from the screenshots that I've seen, kind of looks, looks just like Twitter. Twitter. It's very, very Twitter-esque. I right. mean, the versus, interface, versus, yeah, the interface is like very a new experience. You, you know, the colors are different. The way you um, create um, thread, I guess, spill, spill what you call them. Is, you know, yeah. you, it ain't different. You still got to enter text. You still got to enter pictures. You got to upload video. Still got to do little hashtags or whatever, but the environment, the user experience is a little bit different. And then the third thing that makes, in my opinion, threads uber popular is there are people out here that are making money and really are trying to uh, become influencers and really trying to build up their community. If you spend all these years trying to build up a community on Instagram and then come to find out that same community is going to be available when you move over to this new thing called threads versus going to like a brand new uh, app like spill to where you have to start from zero. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. Ain't nobody got no time for that. Right. And you can tell on spill, everybody is in this arms race mm-hmm. to get followers. Follow me. If you follow back train and follow me, if you do this and where are my nerds at and where are the techies at and where are my uh, spill after dark folk at, you know, everybody's trying to scramble to find these new uh, communities, much. find these new people. And people are, you can tell on spill, people are already like, all right, now pressed. <laughs> pressed. pressed. <laughs> they're pressed to build their community. They're pressed, pressed to build their following up all the metrics that, you know, we subscribe to as far as whether you're an influencer or a popular person or you're actually generating income. You got to start from zero on spill. And people are like, I, right, 
you know, I've only got 12 followers. Yeah. It's been a week. God, all right. I'm running out of steam, you know, versus threads. You go over there and boom, everything's set up already. You just keep the it other thing about threads too is you can, um, repost them back to Instagram very ah, easily. Very, and very so, easily. And so now, like, literally half of my Instagram feed is reposted threads now. And I'm just like, is this, I don't, I can, if all I'm going to see in my damn Instagram feed is reposted threads, the fuck I need to be on threads for, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, so, it's like, it's, it's just, it's be, it, I'm, I'm so, you talk about fatigue, right. social media fatigue is real as well. And I'm just like, so over all of it right now. I'm about to be on a detox in a minute. So if y'all don't see me on social media for a while, like I'm, I'm detoxing. For real. So, so I have a friend who, after all the Cambridge Analytica stuff, completely said, I'm done with Facebook does not use any Facebook services, got rid of WhatsApp, got rid of Instagram, got rid of Facebook, does not use it, has not gone to threads, will not be going to threads. And I respect that. You know, you you took a stance and, and you're there. That's not most people. That's a lot of people, but that's not most. Is that, that is not most people. Most people are like, yeah, I don't really like I don't really like Zuckerberg. I don't like what, what Facebook did. But man, the application is 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 nice and juicy and I can I can do what I do on that app and it's fun. So they kind of push that to the side. So if you are like 97% of the rest of earth and you're just saying I don't really like Facebook, here's one of the things that people have to understand about Twitter. Regardless of whether or not you are a Twitter fan or a you know I hate Twitter. Regardless of whether or not you are I hate Elon Musk or you're an Elon Musk fanboy, or you just don't care. You just use Twitter because Twitter is useful to you in the capacity that Twitter is useful to you. Doesn't really matter. You you have to actually kind of sit back, or you don't have to. You should at least sit back and say that the way that Elon Musk is running Twitter has actually pushed people who are anti-Zuckerberg and anti-Meta back over to a Meta property. Because it ain't all just... Instagram users that are using meta or, or that are using threads. There's a whole lot of Twitter people who have gone over and checked it out. I'm one of them. And like I said, you, you've got factions. You've got people who literally feel like you are a traitor. If you, if you go and check this application out, which makes no sense to me, it's like, why are you so concerned about what I'm doing on another platform? It doesn't affect you if you're not going there. Um, you also have folks who, you know, I've been on threads for five minutes and it's so much better than Twitter. Yeah. You know what? Five minutes is kind of hard to tell. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. Yeah, if you're comparing it to Twitter, yeah, it is a, like doing too much as yeah. far as like, oh, my God, this is the best new thing. I'm like while they're on Twitter been, saying it. Right. A, exactly. Like it's been a day and a half. Relax. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it, it. hopefully it will become a community where people can feel safe and accepted, but it's been a day and a half. You know what I mean? Like calm down. So I, I have been saying this for a long time when it comes to Twitter, Twitter, in my opinion, has reached critical mass because of, because of, because there's a half a billion people with Twitter accounts. You can't create another application. that's going to come and take Twitter out. I've never felt that that could be the case. So, Threads to me doesn't even need to be 
an exact Twitter clone. It can just be its own thing, just like Instagram is its own thing, just like you know LinkedIn is its own thing, just like Snapchat is its own thing. It's just another network that people can go and send pictures, send videos, and talk back and forth with each other. It just happens to look a lot like Twitter. So I don't think that threads itself can be the thing that kills Twitter. But Twitter, show sure enough, can kill Twitter. Things that are happening at Twitter, because it's not like you're going to get a half a million, or not half a million, not like you're going to get a half a billion people to, I'm no longer using this app because I'm using this other app. It is just that over time, that less and less people stop using the app. Like when you think about MySpace, MySpace didn't get killed by Facebook. Just people just stopped using, you know, just stopped using MySpace. They, you know, they just started using other stuff and, you know, they didn't keep up to keep them logging in daily uh, active users or weekly or monthly or in certain now in some case, I mean, for people, it's been years, decades since they've logged into that platform. So I think that, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that to say that Twitter does not have any danger, not in a danger zone because of how the company is being run. But I don't think that threads is going to be the thing that takes them out because I don't think another application could. I just think they're too big for that. Well, yeah. And uh, Saray actually just made a really good point as well. Um, threads is not available in Europe because of GDPR uh, concerns. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea that the app is not available outside of the United States or or wouldn't be available, you know, in Europe would keep would would be the thing I think that would prevent it from overtaking Twitter or or becoming this Twitter killer if it wasn't available um, internationally to to all the other countries or whatever. So any Android user in your in in the EU that wants it, they they get it. They can just sideload it. That's not a problem for them. So it, it is wow. definitely an issue for yeah. for iPhone users. This was also really interesting. At one point, Threads was the fifth most downloaded downloaded app on the Chinese version of the App Store. So it's banned there, yet it's still number five as far as how many apps are actually being downloaded. So, you know, a bunch of things are to you know are true. Uh, you may not like Facebook, you may not like what Facebook does with your data, and I'm not I'm not making that argument. From the technical standpoint, the fact that they have a hundred and pushing 20 million users at this point, where we are in, in the day, that's probably where they are because they, they're saying that the numbers are not slowing down. They actually might speed up this week because more people are now aware of this thing being available to them. The fact that the, it's, you know, that it's growing that fast, you know, what is a hundred to 120 million people? That is like the 10th biggest country. It, well, actually, I think it would be like more like the 13th, 14th biggest country in the world. So you're talking about somewhere in, in between Japan and Mexico have downloaded this app. That's a lot. That's a lot of freaking folks. I'm looking at a Wall Street Journal article right now, and this is problematic for Twitter, where they're looking at, it looks like they're looking at Cloudflare numbers. And year over year, Twitter is, let me get the exact number here. Twitter's traffic is down 11% year over year based off of Cloudflare. Is that because so many more people are, they've moved over? I know someone who had over a hundred thousand people on Twitter and they just unfollowed everyone on Twitter in the last several days and put their last post up saying, this is where I'm at now. I'm on threads. They have completely moved off of it. Now I will, you know, I, I want to actually talk to this person more and find out some more information about that. But I do know some of the, some of the reasons why he decided to make this move. And 
it was not something that Threads caused. It probably was going to happen regardless of Threads. I think Threads is just kind of like that was kind of like, oh, I can go here now. Let me go ahead and make this move. But I, I you know, we'll, we'll ask them and may even bring this person on the show. But it's just interesting that this thing is growing as fast as it is. And I can't call it. Like I said, I, you know, I, I don't, it could absolutely be one of these things to where we have this initial rush of people who, who get it and then it kind of fizzles out. But even if that is the case, Meta still wins because we've only talked about the hundred plus million people who have downloaded as last night. We haven't talked about the nine million new Instagram accounts that have been created since this thing came out. So if yeah, you just, they said we were on track to, to, to get to 200 million um, by the end of the year or something, 8 billion in revenue. Like it was some crazy, ridiculous numbers. Like they're, they're, they're going to be okay. You know what I mean? Even if this is just ends up being some sort of phase, I I don't think it will be. I think, I, I think Elon Musk has created enough of a clusterfuck out of Twitter that, there are people look legitimately looking for another similar platform to have that type of conversation on um, that need that type of structure um, and, and, and we'll go to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we'll go to threads. I mean, they're, you know, spill might catch some of them. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Spoutable is going is going to take off. Um, you know, shout out to the brother. You know, I downloaded it, downloaded that too, but I don't think that's going to do you know any real numbers. Um, but I I think Threads is going to capture those people who are legitimately leaving the Twitter platform because I think there are people that are legitimately going to be leaving Twitter's platform mm-hmm. for good um, and they need somewhere to go. And I think Thread Threads does solve that problem for those people um, and will provide that platform for those people. So it'll be there in, in, you know, whatever iteration it ends up, you know, settling into um, for the people that are legit like, all right, Twitter, I'm out, you know, because Twitter is, is just not going to be um, what it needs to be as long as Elon Musk is running it um, and is involved with it. It's, it's just not going to be a viable platform for a majority uh, um, of people while he while he's there. So I, I said this. I can't remember. Go somewhere. I can't remember if I said this in our discord or in someone else's discord. But here's the thing. As I said, I don't think that something's going to come and take Twitter out. Twitter has to take itself out. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing I think is that, you know, the, you know, you know, Twitter has been for years, for decades, has been, you know, kind of the town square where people can go and discuss pretty much anything from everywhere. You know, this is how people legitimately used to get their, and they still do, you know, get their news and all these kind of things. They could potentially lose that, even though the folks behind threads are saying that we really don't want politics here. We really aren't trying to be news. They're not going to be able to control what the site actually turns into. If that's what people want to talk about, they're not going to not make money because that's what people want to talk about. So Twitter could not be the public square. But from Elon Musk's standpoint, he may not care about that because the way that it seems like from from just my eyes looking into the decisions that I see Twitter making they care about making revenue that that seems to be the only thing. And he's hell bent on doing that's going to do whatever they can do, whatever good idea or bad idea they come up with that they think is going to make money. It looks like they're trying that. So 
if they're saying it's like, well, you know what? We don't have a half a billion users anymore where we're, where we're losing money. We only have 200 million, but we're making it. I think they're at this point, they would accept that because this is just a big L that he's taken at this point. So, you know, we, we will have to see. I think that, uh, you know, ultimately we, we have to see, is he going to allow Linda Yaccarino to run the company? <laughs> I'm not guessing that he will. But we yeah. do at least have to give the benefit of the doubt that well, she's there. He wants to, he wants a scapegoat for when it really nose dives. He can say he wasn't the one in charge of it when it really when it truly tanks and implodes and crashes and burns for real, for real, for real. He wants to he wants plausible deniability to say he wasn't the one that did it. He wasn't in charge and wasn't at the wheel when it happened. I, I said this last week on SMR podcast. Can you imagine what her golden parachute looks like? Because from, from all, from all accounts, she is not a, you know, she knows her business. She, you know, it, it wasn't like he just happened upon somebody, oh, you know, I want to make you CEO of my company. She, she, she's got some skills from all the things that I've read and seen about her. She knows what she's doing. So she had to know, it's like, all right, if I come and do this, oh yeah. You have it to make sure that if, if these things don't happen, I want to be in my family for the rest of history was to be set. So I just wonder what her parachute looks like if, uh, yeah, if she gets, if she gets pushed out of there. Nine figures. Easy. Yeah. So it will be interesting. Terrence, you're not on it yet. Do you, do you plan on getting on it or you just, nah, um, I've got like Stephanie mentioned, I've got social media fatigue now and I, I, my two, uh, reasons why I didn't get on thread is like, all right, well, I want to be a little bit of more supportive of my people. And I like how spill is at least trying to cultivate its community. So it kind of meets that first check mark. And the second one is in order for me to adopt a new social media platform, I need to get rid of one. I ain't figured out which one yet, but one of these is about to go by the wayside. Uh, while I, um, not necessarily a fan of Elon Musk, I, I am a fan of what Twitter is now. The combination mm-hmm. of the community, the combination of how things are disseminated, the good and the bad. I take the good and the bad. Um, so I can't say I'm necessarily, uh, deactivating my Twitter account, but I may use it less and less and less as, you know, uh, spill kind of grows and it does find itself because it does have to get to that growing pains and it's going to take a while. And I just don't want to say, well, I signed up and I used it for the first two weeks and it was nobody was around. So I left, you know, I, I want to, you know, see if I can hang around and maybe even contribute, you know, to see if that does grow into something. So, um, I'll have to decide in the next, you know, week or so, you know, what, what social media app am I going to, you know, log out of, not necessarily, maybe not deactivate, you know, <laughs> is it LinkedIn? Is it, <laughs> is it, you know, is it, am I just putting stuff on Facebook just to make my family, you know, feel good about getting, you know, family pictures and pictures of the kids, you know, and that's just the u- utilization I get out of it, you know, so all that to say, um, I, I, don't want to pick up threads because if it's just Insta- Twitter's version of Instagram, I got Instagram, so I'm cool. You know, um, I'm gonna try something different. I'm, if, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do something different. So I've decided, you know, I'm gonna try something totally new. 
I'm there. What's interesting is that the fatigue I think that you're going through now, I think I went through it two and a half, three years ago. I was big on Instagram when Instagram was about pictures. So maybe even going back four years ago. But when it started getting to all the video and stuff like that, it's like, I just, I just don't have time for this. So I kind of set all social media down and I really didn't get back into it heavily until this year. Um, I've been paying attention to it since we started the show, just because we have a show and that's how people, uh, you know, talk to us, but with Twitter, but I've really gotten into Twitter this year after I went, I think I told you guys, I went to, uh, uh, like a meetup where there was like a Twitter person who set the meetup up and she was going through all the things you could do with Twitter. It's like, Oh, okay. Let, let me go check this out. So I'm kind of there too. I, you know, I don't, I'm not leaving Twitter, but I am checking threads out because I, I do have the bandwidth for it. I, I was saying that, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to LinkedIn start using LinkedIn for personal stuff as compared to, you know, just work stuff and, and, and sign to see how that goes. And that's probably not happening right now because my time is going to be devoted to threads just for the short, short term, just to see whether or not I like it or not, because I don't think you can make a de- decision in five minutes. I mean, I literally seen people who they came over, downloaded the app, had it five minutes and I, it was crap and then deleted it and then, and then went away. I can't respect that in the same way that I can't respect that you only had it for five minutes and said, it's the best thing you've ever seen. It's like, really? You haven't had an opportunity to use it yet. So I want to take, you know, probably the rest of the year and just figure out whether or not it's something that I like. And then, you know, we'll kind of go from there. So, y'all, I'm looking at the clock where we're actually a little bit past the top of the hour. But Steph, you've got a spotlight this week. I do. And it's going to read like her resume because I really could only find information off of her LinkedIn page mostly, but I thought it was important to kind of highlight somebody that, you know, is just out here hustling and, 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 and getting her STEM work done, putting her head down, doing the work. So here we go. Lockheed Martin's LaShawn Boulware is constantly learning as a human factors design engineer in Houston. Boulware, who's from Harvey, Louisiana, earned her bachelor's in industrial systems engineering from North Carolina A&T State University and her master's in industrial engineering with a concentration in human factors and ergonomics from Texas A&M University. LaShawn coordinates, manages, and leads all aspects of user research utilizing mixed research methods for hardware and software to obtain qualitative data from NASA astronauts to ensure the design meets the human systems integration program requirements for the the Orion program. She led usability and A-B tests for the Orion's hygiene compartment, which referred refined the which refined the placement and reshaped the design of the hand and foot restraints and ensured that the tallest and shortest astronauts can perform daily hygiene activities in the volume provided she developed detailed test plans test scripts interview scripts user tasks and training materials for user research evaluations her current research focuses on astronaut situational awareness, where she is actively working on a critical issue with regards to the latency between an astronaut's input and subsequent action on the display, providing the team with the impact this has on a vehicle flying qualities. 
LaShawn provides user-centered design recommendation and technical guidance during Orion hardware and software design reviews and for other Lockheed Martin space programs and is leading the verification planning process for user control systems and displays for the Artemis II crewed mission. She now ensures that systems for the crew module, including display units and even the hygiene bay, also known as the toilet, are designed with comfort in mind for the astronauts who will use them. This means testing with humans inside the Orion mock-up, a full-size model of the spacecraft at Johnson to ensure both efficient design and ease of use by the astronauts. I listen to the astronauts provide their feedback to the designers and am an advocate and middleman for the two groups to ensure that we are meeting our shared goal to build the right spacecraft, she said. I feel like my purpose is to help people and I get to live that by working on Orion. I'm not sure how I found her, but it was like, you know, everybody we pick, you know, is always doing these kind of groundbreaking, history-making kind of things. And I was just like, you know, LaShawn is just out here working. And 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 I feel like someone like her maybe wouldn't necessarily get the shine that she deserved for doing something that might seem what is the word I'm looking for? I mean, she's 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 making sure that the toilets work on the right. On make the, sure the astronauts can go to the bathroom. Right, <laughs> right. Making sure that astronauts can go to the bathroom. Like she's like Orion Artemis. Um, Artemis is the mission that's going back to the moon, mm-hmm. and and the Orion spacecraft is is, is the spacecraft that's going to take um, the next you know group of astronauts back to the moon and 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 she's making sure that those astronauts can go to the bathroom as they make that 21 day journey you know back up up to the moon and back and and it's like you know you don't think about those little things and and how they happen and how they get done successfully um it you know you just get on you know those astronauts just get on that you know get in that spacecraft and 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 use the bathroom and 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 they don't necessarily think about it they maybe they don't necessarily think about it i know i don't necessarily think about it but somebody had to make that happen and 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 very critical details had to you know be thought about and put in place and and tested over and over and over and over again um to get right because if they don't get right you know you know maybe the spacecraft fails and and maybe people die and 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 maybe catastrophic things happen while these astronauts are are thousands of miles away from the earth so it it just like you know like that's the type of thing that I think needs to be highlighted and celebrated. The same as, you know, that person that holds 50 patents or, or, you know, made history for, for doing X, Y, Z. So I, I just really felt compelled to, you know, shine a spotlight on somebody that was, that was just grinding and, and, and doing that STEM work. Do you know what I know is always going to work in space now that this lady is doing what she's doing? You in space and you put your hand under the soap dispenser, I guarantee you that joker gonna work regardless of what you look okay. like. <laughs> it's gonna recognize every skin tone. It's that is not gonna be an issue. Work. 
She will have right. tested for that. So it is funny that this is the spotlight that you picked. I didn't know this was what you were going to pick. I didn't know her story before this. I was on Daily Tech News show last Friday. And on Fridays at the end of the show in Good, in good Day Internet, they always do a quiz. And the quiz, the quiz was about space. No one knew that I was like a space nerd. So I was slam dunking the answers because I just knew a lot of stuff before that. Usually they will do multiple choice. I was just answering the questions because I know it because I was a space nerd. I actually went to space camp when I was 12 or 13. I can't remember how old I was, but one of the things that you said is that she's actually making sure that this stuff will work regardless of your size. That was one of the things because we, we don't think about those kind of things here, but they have to think about everything when somebody goes into space. She essentially is building the lavatories inside of the, the habitats and spaceships. They have to I'm think about sure every, more, but you know, that's what, yeah, but that's, that's what we, she, and she's mapping the heck out of that, but th- th- she has to think about everything. When I was like, I said, I was a kid, I've always been big. I'm like, I'm almost six, five. I've lost a little weight. I'm closer to like 295 now, but you know, but my, my normal adult walking around rate is six, six, four and a half, 320 pounds. When I was 13, I was bigger than every astronaut that had ever been. I was a big kid, you know, from the time I was a little kid. And so just the fact that she's thinking about how to make sure this stuff works for different size astronauts because they are trying to figure out if we're going to be sending people to space and sending people to, to Mars, sending them to the moon, and they're going to be there for a while. You may have to open up the number of people who actually fit the description of who could go. They, they, know, it, right. it cannot all be folks who are 165 pounds in five, nine or less. It, it, it can't all be that. So, so that's and just that really interesting. Has a master's degree in ergonomics. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm like, you can get a master's degree in ergonomics. Like, you know, so just opening up the minds of, of, of people listening to, to new possibilities. And, and to your point, you know, to get, you know, the space travel is hard on a body. So you may need somebody who is, 250 pounds to make a, a voyage to Mars as opposed to somebody that was 185 or, 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 or slim. You know what I mean? You might need somebody with a little bulk on them that can make that trip. So you got to design for that person. And, mm-hmm. and, and LaShawn is, is the one to do it. So shout out to LaShawn Boulware. You know, that's, that's doing the dang thing. Yeah. And she worked for Lockheed. You know, my, my, my sister at Lockheed. <laughs> my Lockheed compadre. <laughs> So, y'all, we did not have any new patrons this week. I think we picked up one or two last week. We didn't have any this week. But once again, if you would like to support the Tech John, head over to the techjohn.com forward slash Patreon or patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. They both work. And any one of our tiers over there, we really appreciate if you were to sign up to one of those. What you do there helps us bring the tech to you the way we bring it to you. And we really appreciate anything that anyone is able to do. So with that being said, Tech Life Steph, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks I didn't get at you. You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph and check out stephaniehumphrey.com. And you can find me over the internet at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we also are at the Tech John on all the things. And we are on Threads. So I did set up a Threads account for the Tech John over there. So anybody who wants to follow us there, go check us out. Let me go follow. (laughs) So until we meet again in a week's time, Peace. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.